Well, top of the morning to you. I'm very sorry, but I've been living with Ivor. And so my, my speech may be off a wee bit, but we'll try to get it back in. <laughs> no, it is a, a tremendous opportunity for Novi and I to be with all of you here at Grace Bible Church once again. Uh, tremendous as I look around and see Gene and Bobby Worthington here. The, the first Sunday we ever came, this building was not in existence. That was back in 1964. Gene was the Sunday school teacher. Uh, and if I think for a few more seconds, I could probably even come up with what he was talking about. As you can see, it made a tremendous impact upon my young life. But uh, seriously, it, it is tremendous for us to be back. We've got uh, about 40 minutes to try to bring 40 years of ministry and in sharing with you what, what God has been doing in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. We're going we're gonna to start off with a little video presentation. It will at least show you where we've been living. Uh, I would like to take the time to go over each picture with you. But if I did, we would be here through the 49er game. And I assure you, that will not happen. So uh, don't be afraid. We will get out on, on time today. But uh, I want to thank you for your support to Nobi and I for these many, many years. We first went with New Tribes Mission, uh, left from, from uh, Grace Bible, got on a plane and flew off to Papua New Guinea back in 1977. And you have stood behind us for all these years. And I want to say thank you. We're going to give this report this morning for two reasons. One is because we're accountable to you as, as being your missionaries. But secondly, uh, we're an extension of your ministry. As we are there, we are ministering together with you. So we, we want to share with you what we as a group together have been doing over there in the jungles of, of Papua New Guinea. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and show this little presentation. Then my wife is going to come up and say a few words. And then we'll, we'll continue on from there. Good morning. Um, all of those people, apart from the missionaries uh, that you saw on that video, at one time had no knowledge of Jesus Christ. And because you sent us out there and we were able to teach them, those of you that know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you will meet them someday in heaven. And um, I think that's pretty cool, don't you think? It's pretty amazing. Well, Bob and I love to come back to, to San Francisco. This is what Bob considers his home. He loves everything about San Francisco, the 49ers and the Giants. Of course, I'm from Seattle. The home of Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> Anyways, it's always so fun to come, come back and renew acquaintances, meet new friends. And then, like, yesterday we met tons of new people we'd never met before. More people that are going to stand with us and uh, pray for us. And then old friends. And then really old friends are, um, you know who you are. <laughs> people that have from the very beginning just stood with us. And so, like Bob says, we are here to say thank you. I know that the last time we were here, we asked for prayer for me to be able to live in the jungle so that we could um, finish the translation. And I just, I survived. It was, yeah, 
It was great, and it was your prayers. And I also want to say that, you know, your prayers for me specifically, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just about me, but um, those prayers really helped keep Bob going, too, because um, I know that he was really trying to work hard for my sake, and he was keeping ridiculous hours, like 12 and 15 hours a day. And you know what? He hardly got any sleep, and um, that's probably not too wise to do that. But I believe that the Lord honored um, our hearts and honored the hearts of the people because they really, really wanted God's word. And God allows us to do ridiculous things for his glory. And because of that, we were able to finish the New Testament and all praise to him. Um, I think that when we come back, you know, obviously what Bob said is so right. Just to let you know and for you to hear of the fruit of your prayers. And yes, we want to thank you that uh, we can't be there unless you're here. And so we really, really do thank you. We appreciate all of that. The other day I was thinking, you know, another reason we come home is not only for Bob to go to In-N-Out and for me to, um, <laughs> for me to get my fill of sushi. Um, but I woke up this morning and I thought to myself, you know, here we're going to just share in church. And, you know, it's like the Lord said, okay, Noby, there are going to be people there. They're going to be my people there, and they're going, to be, they're going to be there to remind you that you're not doing this alone, and that's what you are. You are part of what we are over there, and um, I think it's just so amazing. Seriously, like I lived in the jungle since 1977. We had a few little years of break there, but seriously, I got to tell you, for you new people that don't really know me, I'm not that type of person. Like, I am not jungle Noby here, you know? <laughs> And it's, it's just so incredible, the things that God, God can do through you. Just the miracles, you know? And it's just about being willing, you know? It's just like that song is just our heart. You know, we'll go wherever you tell us to go. And so it's just so exciting. Um, real quickly, um, we are going to Thailand after we finished um, a check with the Old Testament for our first tribe. But um, that's like my greatest challenge. I have to study Thai. Um, I'm not smart, not like him, okay? I'm not. But I work hard and I can get it. But you know what? More than anything, God is sending me to Thailand to have a spiritual ministry with the Thai people. So I have to learn Thai. So as scared as I am about doing it, I know I'm going to learn it somehow. So another miracle. And you guys are going to be praying for me. And it's just going to be exciting. So again, we just want to thank you um, as we go Real quick, our girls are doing well. Lane and Carrie um, are on their home of furlough. And um, they will, their church in there, they also work in Papua New Guinea. And their church is standing really, really strong. And for that, we really give God the praise. And after their year, they'll go back to Papua New Guinea and finish their translation. It'll take them about a year and a half to do that. So we thank the Lord for that. And our other daughter, Christy, and her husband, who's one of our main programmers for New Tribes Mission, they're um, in the States in Florida. So that's where they are. And um, we have seven grandchildren, and Christy is expecting our eighth. So um, pretty excited. I think we got you beat, Don and Vicky. <laughs> Don and Vicky. <laughs> okay, so again, just thank you so much. And we love you, and just, just pray. All those prayers, you know, even if you can only say, and dear God bless the missionaries, 
God uses those prayers, and um, he does. And he encourages our heart, and he keeps us going. And Bob's, I'm not sure if he'll have the chance to tell you, but because of your fellowship and your partnership with us, the Basodiers, there's like four churches. They all have elders ordained, and they are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and partnering with our Malamunda churches and reaching out. And what a joy. (laughs) Thank you. I wish you could see Jane of the Jungle swing through those trees. Let me tell you. Okay. Uh, Try to transpose yourselves from Redwood City. We're going to those jungles that you saw up there. And it's going to take a couple of days flying to get to Weewak. And then we're going to get in a little boat and we're going to go two days up the rivers. And we're going to come to Besodio land. But I'm going to give you the background even, even on that. You, you saw pictures of our believers. You, you saw the fruits of our labor together. I'm going to share with you very briefly uh, how that came to be. And then we're going to talk to you more about where the people are at today. But in approximately 1975, there was a, a Malamanda man named Mondawi. Mondui had a wife called Lebasa, and in 1975, Lebasa gave birth to his first son. And he was thrilled, as every man would be, to have their, their first little baby boy, and he loved him. His name was Yawido. Well, then a year later, she becomes pregnant again. This time, Mondui wants a little girl. And so, his wife goes out into a virgin area of the jungle where, where people do not live, where they do not walk. She has a little baby. It's a boy. Mondawi, disappointed, says, kill it. And if a child is not picked up and placed in the billum, it's not yet a child. It doesn't have a name. In, in their thinking, it is not yet a being. So they did. They killed that little baby boy. The next year, Lebasa becomes pregnant again. They go out again into the jungle. He looks down and says, is it a boy or a girl? It was another boy. And he said, kill it. Right there at that moment, the little boy's aunt reaches down runs away off into the jungle and hides little Alene for three months' time. At the end of that time, Mondui said, okay, fine. Uh, he, you've been hiding him out. He's alive. Bring him into the village and we will allow him to live. We're going to talk a little bit more about Alene in a little bit. Don't forget the name. In 1982... Uh, 77, Nobi and I went to, to Bisorio land. And, and again, you guys, you saw the modern day version. Back then, the people had no clothing. They had never, they had never seen a white man. Uh, try to picture someone, gr- green skin, coming down from the sky and starting to live with you. I mean, that's kind of what it would be like, like an alien coming with us. They had no idea how to relate to us, no idea of what we were doing. 
But by God's grace, we learned their language, we learned their culture, and then we began teaching them in 1982, May 20th, Friday, the gospel was presented in Besodio Land, and their lives were transformed. You guys, they fell in love with the person of Jesus Christ. They had kind of a twofold response. One was anger. They, they came, and I remember right after we presented the gospel, they knocked at the door. I went up there, and there was a, a group of about five of them. We were just getting ready to eat. I said, Noby, you and the girls go ahead and eat, and, and I'll see what they want. And I went out there, and they said, I've got a question for you. How long has your mission been here in Papua New Guinea? And I said, we've been here since since 1940s. How about here in the Sepik? Well, it was about 1972 when the work in the Sepik first began. They said, all right, tell me something else. If that's the case, why are you just coming now? Why is it that you're just coming? If this message is as important as you're saying, and I know it is, why are you just coming now? What about our ancestors? What about our ancestors? That, that was one response, you guys. Almost in anger that their fathers and mothers had died and gone into a crisis eternity. And you know what? I really didn't have a good answer for him. The, the other response was one of tremendous joy. Tremendous joy. I remember uh, the day we presented the gospel, a couple of ladies got down by my wife and they said, you know what? If you wouldn't have come, we could have never heard. And I remember we said, you know what? It wasn't us, you guys. It was God. God was the one that loved you so much that he sent us here. And, he, and they said, yeah, that's right. You really didn't do anything, did you? <laughs> well, come on. It's not quite like that. Anyway, um, we taught them the book of Acts. We taught the Besodios the book of Acts. They got excited about it. And they said, we've got to be like Paul. We have to take the gospel out to the Besodios who haven't heard yet. So the first place we went, a place called Sababi, 60 people there, 42 of them came to Christ. I remember this, this young man named Yolofe, right? As we were getting near the end of the teaching, his, his skin took on a, a yellow tint. His eyes were bright yellow. And we looked at him. The guy came down with, with hepatitis. But you know what? He did not stop coming to the sessions. He was hearing about Jesus. And he wanted to hear the whole story. And I remember the day we presented the gospel there. Yolofe came to our house at night. And he came in and he said, I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for me. And he began in Genesis. We, we were there for six weeks, beginning in Genesis, going straight through the Old Testament and into the New. And he went back story after story. Uh, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, uh, the Tower of Babel, straight on through into the New Testament. And he finally got to the person of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. I believe on Jesus. He is my Savior. He died on the cross to take away my sins. And I'm going to tell you something. When I see Jesus, don't think my feet are going to be on the ground. I'm going to run and I'm going to jump up and I'm going to hug him and wrap my legs around him and tell him thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. 
you know what, you guys? Right after we got back, an epidemic went through that area of Papua New Guinea. Yolufe, he got his wish. He went to be with the Lord, and I'm sure when he saw Jesus, he wrapped his arms around his neck and gave him that hug. Uh, anyway, again, on that trip, I honestly, it, it was hard. I was going to be away from Nobi for six weeks. But I thought, what if I hadn't gone? What if I wouldn't have gone? Those people would have gone into a Christless eternity. Okay. Then, the Bisodios didn't stop there at Sababi. They went to Hanamanda. They went to Wosogobi, to Alibawa, to Tsobu, to Wilifa. They took the gospel to every nook and cranny of Bisodio land. And as soon as they taught them, as soon as they presented the gospel, they started a literacy program. Because they said, you know what, it's not enough just to have the God. They've got to be able to read God's word. So they would teach them instantly to read. And, and you guys, I'm not trying to give you an, elebrate, an elevated figure, but I really believe approximately 90 to 95% of the Besodio nation are believers in Jesus. And that same percentage can read God's word. It's their only book. It's the only one they want. And, and we're thankful for that. If, if I would ask you to raise your Bibles here today, would they be dirty and tattered and, and worn out? And, and would you be asking me for a new one? Or would they still look pretty good? Because I'll tell you, the Besorios consume the word of God. They read it, what they have cover to cover. And that's why, as my wife said, in, in two days, on Tuesday, we're getting on a plane. We are flying to Papua New Guinea. We're going to be checking 3,000 of the 6,000 verses that we translated for the Old Testament in Besodio. We're going to check that, and Lord willing, next year, and you're invited. Mark it on your calendars. Next April, come over to Papua New Guinea. We're going to have a tremendous celebration. Malomanda New Testament given to them, and Besodio Old Testament portions. So, you're welcome. You better come, buddy. You better come. All right. Um, now then, in approximately 1985, word has gone all throughout the jungle of the changes that have taken place in Besorio land. No longer afraid of the Yamas, no longer hating the Inarus that live on the other side of the mountains. They're praying for them now. Mondui, who killed his first son, comes down from Malamanda. He heard what had taken place. He comes down and he sees transformed lives. And he said, Bob, Bob, please send me a missionary. Send somebody up there. I said, Mondui, I would love to, but we don't have anyone right now that we can send. That did not satisfy him. He kept coming down. He'd come down with little Alene and with, and with his son, Yawido. He would keep coming down and saying, you've got to send us someone. Okay, bear with me as we just go through this quickly. In the 1980s, gold was discovered in the hills of Malamanda. Uh, the rivers, literally, they, they would come down and in places they would see the chunks down there. The gold mining companies found out about it and a company called Endaba 
wanted to find the vein. If they could find the vein, they would have a huge gold mine. They knew that. So they went to a place called Malamanda. They spent $2 million putting in an airstrip. They blew the top of the mountain off. They helicoptered in two huge bulldozers. And in 1994, they went bankrupt. (laughs) In 1994, we had three families that were ready to move into Malamanda. So they went up there. The guys gave them the keys to the bulldozers. They said, they are yours. Go for it. So New Tribes Mission moves in. The families learned the language of the Malamandans. They presented the gospel in 1999. And there was approximately 50 people made a profession of faith in Christ. Then, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Then they went through the dark ages. They, They lost Three out of four individuals that were working there, one was husband-wife difficulties, one was health issues, one was family issues. But these three families left. They left one couple there in Malamanda, Eric and Judith Hedin. They're juggling translation, they're juggling teaching, they're juggling discipleship. And essentially what took place was almost nothing. The, the Malamanda people, after coming to Christ, They had uh, a little bit of Genesis, they had a little bit of Mark, and they had eight chapters of Acts. And for 10 years, that was all that they had. In 2008, uh, John and Christina Hudiman moved into the tribe. In 2010, the old folks on the team, Bob and Novi Kettle, moved in and and joined them. And we, we could see what the people need more than anything is the word of God. And we learned the language. We started translating. And as we began giving them the word of God, that village was transformed, you guys. Uh, growth started taking place and a hunger for the word. And they began meeting together, just like you saw here in these pictures. Uh, the fellow that, moved, that lived right next door to me was a young man named Alene. The fellow that his dad said, kill him and take his life. Alene taught me the Malamanda language. And then after that, I I remember there was a a death up there. This fellow died and and they went up there and and by the gravesite, they put water there and they put plants there and they brought some food out and set it there. And I said to the other missionaries, do you know what's going on here? And they said, well, we've asked our people about it. And they said that, uh, you know, they, they just put it there. There's, there's not really any significance. And I had lived with the Bisorios, you guys, and we knew their culture, and I knew that wasn't the case. And so I went to Alane, and I said, Alane, please tell me, why, why did they put the water there? And, and why did they shoot the, the sh- shotgun off at night? And he says, oh, they, they just do that. You know, maybe somebody was hunting. I said, no, no, I know that's not true. And I said, Alene, either you're going to tell me the truth or I'll go to someone else and I'll keep going until someone will really tell me what's going on. He said, okay, you want to know what's going on, buddy? I'll tell you. And he went and he said, yeah, they're afraid of the evil spirits. They brought it water. They gave it food. They put the clothes inside because if the Tawanaka, if the departed spirit sees someone going around wearing it, they're going to make that person sick. And it just opened up their culture. 
And so we were able to attack the animism. We were able to teach the truth in contrast to their old beliefs. And they began to be set free from the fear and the bondage that was holding their lives. Okay. One of the greatest privileges that we've had over the past few years is going down in Besodio land and also in Malamanda and teaching the book of Revelation. And it was something we had never taught there before, but the people loved it. I, I remember we went down to Besodio. We had no idea. George Walker, our coworker that's now living in the States, he came over with me. We got made a 20-minute airplane flight to a little village called Yambi Yambi, put down there, got in a boat, traveled three hours up the Crosimedi River. We got up there to teach the book of Revelation. You guys, 300 besorios came from all over the place and descended on that little village. And we sat there for two weeks, morning and night, teaching them the Word of God, teaching them the book of Revelation. They got excited about it. And I'm going to read a portion to you. And, and I trust that the words that I'm going to read will grip you the same way that it did the Besodios. Revelation chapter 22, 1 through 5. Okay? Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And for you, and I'm assuming it's the majority of you, for you that know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to be there. What, I, what I'm going to read to you is not a fairy tale. It's real. And we're going to see it. And we're going to experience it. Okay, uh, verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street on each side of the river, grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Picture it. Picture it. The throne of our creator, the throne of God. And, and from out underneath the throne, from where he is seated, rivers of living water. And, and it goes down, and I can just picture it kind of winding down through the city of God. And on both sides, the tree of life. The same one that was in Genesis? I don't know. But the tree of life is going to be there every month. I think that it doesn't say this. I believe the first month is mangoes. I, I'm not sure. But a different fruit every month. The next one, I believe, is peaches. I, I don't know. But it's going to be tremendous, you guys. It is going to be tremendous. And we are going to see it. And we're going to partake of it. Verse 3. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. And His servants will worship Him. And they will see His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. Wow, isn't that something? The name of our Savior. Right here. It's not going to be Bob Kennel. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name is going to be on our foreheads. Isn't that tremendous? They will see his face. His name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun 
for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. You guys, we're going to see that. I trust, I trust that excites you. I trust that motivates you because I'll guarantee you one thing. When the Besorios heard that, when the Malamondans heard that, they got excited. They got excited and they said, what are we living for? I'm going to read you another scene. This is back two chapters, just a, just a few verses. Hang in here with me. We're, we're going to get out and we're going to see that game, okay? <laughs> Chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You guys, two different scenes. Two different scenes. I thank God that I'm going to be in that first scene. I thank God I'm going to be partaking from the tree of life. Why? My name's in the book. My name is written in that book. If there are any of you here that your name is not, you know what? If you pass into eternity without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to experience that second scene where you will be cast from the presence of God eternally. Eternally. And it describes in the verses before that a place that, that burns of sulfur, like the smell of rotten eggs, for eternity separated from God. If you do not know our Savior, please, please, uh, do not delay. It, it is too crucial. Eternity is at stake. Anyway, we shared these things with the Malamondans. We shared it with the Bisodios. They got excited. They had a tremendous response. They said, you know what? Two main responses. Number one, we have to tell our kids and our relatives. We've got to tell them. We cannot afford to let any of our children or we cannot afford to let any of our older relatives that maybe don't know Go into eternity apart from Christ. Man, we're going to start, as they call it, phase one. We're going to start the new teaching again. We're going to make sure that everyone knows the Savior. That was the first response. The second, the second, now catch this. Now we've got to live for eternity. 
We, uh, the song, I, I, wish, I wish I could remember the words. I wanted to write it down. Every breath I take, everything I do, I live for you alone. You, you all sang it. Every one of us in here, we sang it. And I think we meant it. Will we mean it when we go outside? Everything that we do, everything that, we, that is within us, are we living for him? Are we living for him alone? Um, what we wanted to do, we've been trying to get the Besodios more involved with the Malamondans. They, they've known Christ longer. They're more mature. We brought them up and we said, you guys, we're going to give you the chance to share anything you want to with our leaders. Okay? So they came up and they opened up the Bible and they turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to be closing with this. Don't get nervous. You don't have to get up yet. We're going to close here very soon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. This is what the Besodios shared with the Malamandans. As they're sharing their deepest heart thoughts with them, this is what they said. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Now catch this. And this one scares me. I'm being honest with you. This one scares me. Listen to this next verse. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. If we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we will stand before him. When exactly, I, I could not tell you. I'm assuming it's after the rapture takes place, when we're up there in the Lord's presence, before we return to rule and reign with him, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Verse 14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, catch this, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Wow, isn't that tremendous? We, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, our goal is to please him. We can no longer live for ourselves. We've got to live for him who died for us. Now, the thing that thrills me about being with the Bisodios and the Malamandans is they've got it. They've got it, you guys. I, I shared this, this last Wednesday night with the group there. I'm going to share this, this one little thing as we close here. I had Namolia come up and, and read the entire Old Testament portions that we've got translated. 6,000 verses. Tirelessly, he read through them. At the end of that, I said, Namolia, I, I want you to know something, buddy. I'm, I'm not paying you for this. I'm, I'm not going to give you money for all of these hours. I, I did give him a love gift. But I told him, it's not pay. I'm not paying you for this. Do you know what he said to me? 
What do you mean you're not going to? No, he didn't say that. He said, Bob, please don't insult me. Don't insult me. He said, if, if you would pay me for what I just did, do you realize that would take away from what I'm going to receive at the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ when I stand in his presence? Please, man, don't pay me for it. Isn't that tremendous, you guys? He's got it. He understands as we live on this earth here now. Man, we're preparing for eternity. We've got to live for him. And, and I wish we had time, uh, just some of the things that we went through in Revelation, and it gripped our people. It gripped our people. And they said, let's live for what counts for eternity. And I'm just going to ask you, what are you living for? What are you living for? I trust that along with the Besodios and the Malamondans, you'll realize we're here for such a short time. Now, the the, the Malamondans, I was almost starting to get a little bit tired of it, but as we're getting ready to leave, as, as we're working on the translation, we're coming down the home stretch, Alane stands up and he says, you guys, we've got to help them. Look at Bob. He's got one foot in the grave. Is he going to make it or not? And you know what is true? It's true. Getting, I'll beat some of you. I'll beat some of you. Some of you may beat me. I don't know. But you know what? We're going to stand before God. We're going to give an account to him. What did we live for? Let's live for eternity. Let's live for eternity. Let's make his name known. Uh, Nobi and I have got the privilege of, of leaving here two and a half weeks in Papua New Guinea in the town of Wewak. And then we're getting in a plane and we're going to take approximately two days because that's the way the tickets go to get to Thailand. And, and we're going to trust God to minister through the churches there in casting a vision for, for reaching their people. Man, you guys, please pray for us. Uh, like my wife said, we ain't the youngest kids on the block anymore. And uh, we're going to need a tremendous outpouring of God's grace on our lives. But please be praying for us. We love you guys. Thank you so much for standing with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. Lord, thank you for the promises that we have. I can just picture your throne. I can picture you seated on it that river of life flowing out underneath it and uh, the tree of life beside it, Lord, is going to be absolutely wonderful. And we know that that awaits us. Father, help us to live for eternity. Help us to live with eternity's values in mind. Help us to live for you, Lord. Um, this world is a harder place to live in. There are temptations. There are things that want to trip us up and we can get our eyes so off of you. And so sidetracked, Lord, I pray for every individual here. May we live for eternity. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.